Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It is September 1st, which means that it is the 80th anniversary of the beginning of World War II. Um, seems appropriately enough to bring Tim Miller back on for something like that. So uh, my colleague Tim Miller joins us. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. I'm not really sure the implication there, but and I don't have a joke, so I'm just going to roll with it. I, you know, I, I'm just throwing it out. Uh, so... This morning, today, after offering some of the uh, weirdest, darkest conspiracy theories of his presidency, Trump heads to Kenosha. I want to talk about that, you know, but I want want to go back to the September 1st thing because I have this weird, this weird obsession with one aspect of history. I'm I'm a student of history, but there's one aspect of it that I really uh, I really like thinking about, which is that on September 1st, 1939, when World War Two began that day, did people know what was coming? Did they know what was going to happen next? And if not, why not? I always ask this question, you know, at this moment in history, did you have any idea what shit was heading your way? You know, did you actually know what were people thinking on September 1st, 1980? Did they have any idea what the 1980 election was going to be like? I mean, I know I remember September 1st, 2016. I didn't expect that this would happen to us. Right. So I, I this is part of kind of an analytical framework of thinking, you know, what should I expect and what what might I be getting wrong? Do you know where I'm coming from here, Tim, or is this just too early? Yeah, it's kind of, uh, I'll give you my elder millennial um, spin on this. Uh, have you been seeing on Twitter the uh, the pictures from people are putting up like, send your last picture from January when you yeah. thought everything in the world was going to go well <laughs> before the pandemic hit and we got stuck in our homes. Um, yeah, I, I do think that there's this an element of that, uh, particularly now. And I think particularly for people who in, you know, kind of my era, like with the exception of 9-11, like didn't really have any any you know sort of um uh, geopolitical or external events that really shook us in in such a way columbine i guess would be the other one but also it's just a reminder of of what we don't know is coming you know at the beginning of you know the 1960s on you know the january 1st 1960 did anyone have any i mean so dwight eisenhower is the president of the united states anybody able to predict what the 60s was going to be like no i don't think so (laughs) You know, you could do that pretty much with any decade and certainly the last couple of decades. Okay, so fresh from a plane full of people. In is that just uniform. really quick? Is that just yeah. your your intro scare for everybody? It's kind of like that email from yeah. Yeah. the fellow in Eau Claire. It's like, we don't we don't know. I mean, you know, Donald Trump could win Oregon. Yeah. Is, that, is that the? No. That's nice. I like to get my, get, have a little dark mood music for everybody before we get before okay, so we get rolling. In defense of bedwetting. Um, I, I always think that it's good. I mean, you, you've been in political campaigns. You know, the, I'm a bad one. I'm pro bad one. Ought to be nervous. They ought not to be complacent about these elections. So, I, I, I what you're referring to is the email I published from a gentleman from Northern Wisconsin who uh, is going. You know, Trump is everywhere. It is everything. There's signs. There's boat parades. I'm really concerned that this is going to be like 2016 because Biden is invisible. And and I and I, and I started getting just a flood of those from from Michigan and Pennsylvania and more from Wisconsin, which which made me think of something, Tim. Okay, so so that that induced some bedwetting. But also um, it got me thinking there all of the speculation by the very online pundit types about the shy Trump voter. Mm -hmm. Trump voters are not shy. They are (laughs) in your face. 
I mean, think about the signs, the flags, your Facebook feed, you know, the, all of this stuff. They're not shy. You live up in Chilton, Wisconsin right now, and you don't want to piss off your neighbors. You know, um, you don't put a Biden sign out. So I actually think there's a possibility that there are shy Biden voters out there in in the hinterlands. Yeah, this is this is funny. It shows the two bubbles that we're in. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you're the, the, the writer um, uh, who wrote in from northern Wisconsin, you know, said that he was worried he's in a pro-Trump bubble. Right. And was yeah. looking to you for some guidance to pop that bubble. I know I've got a friend who lives in uh, one of my best friends lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, had a Biden sign out. He's uh, he, he's rocking the Republican voters against Trump orange man bad shirt around town mm-hmm. to try to trigger people in, in Louisiana. But, you know, he's like my my sign got stolen, you know, and I don't I don't. You know, I wear the shirt because maybe somebody will talk to me who agrees with me. I don't know anybody who agrees with me around here. And so uh, I, I think that the funny thing is the people who think that there are a lot of try, shy Trump voters live in our bubble, right? It's like the New York bankers. Right. I don't know if you saw like the JP Morgan, <laughs> JP Morgan analysis that was like Trump might win because there are a lot of shy Trump voters. Well, yeah, there probably are a few shy Trump voters among like brash New Yorkers um, who, who live around, you know, who live in this, you know, ensconced in the deep, in this deep blue bubble. Um, but, but I, I think that you're right that they're, um, or certainly, and we hear from them on on over at Arvat um, uh, uh, in other parts of the country, uh, shy Biden voters. I think that I think that's I think that's right. Yeah, no, I, I I think I think it probably breaks breaks both ways. But it is interesting that there are these two bubbles, and I suppose this is almost a cliche at this point. You you live in you know deep deep red Wisconsin. You do not know anyone who's going to vote for Biden. You live in deep blue Dane County here in Wisconsin. You don't know anybody that's going to vote for Trump. It's the what was that what that famous line of the woman who who was shocked when was it Richard Nixon was elected or was it I, you know, now I've forgotten where she she became kind of the symbol of the New York elitist uh, bubble dweller who said I I don't know anyone who voted for blank. It was, I think Stevenson. I think it was all of my friends voted for Adelaide Stevenson. I think it was. I can't remember it either. <laughs> okay, so we're going we're to get to the plane full of people in dark uniforms in a moment. But let's start off with uh, this split screen yesterday. Because this was, this was, even by our standards, this was pretty dramatic. We had Joe Biden giving the speech in Pennsylvania, denouncing violence, calling out Trump, flipping the script on him about whether Americans were were safe enough. And then you had Trump, which we'll get to a little bit later, uh, both at that uh, press briefing where he offered a defense of the 17-year-old Trump enthusiast who killed two people in Kenosha last week, and then offered another defense of his supporters in Portland, Oregon. So the president of the United States from the White House refuses to condemn uh, the violence of some of his own supporters on the same day that Joe Biden is giving that speech in Pennsylvania. And then, of course, he goes on Laura Ingram's show. Laura Ingram, of course, one of the media's most enthusiastic fluffers of the president. Um, but it did not go well for the president because he he I don't know. Is, is it is it too far to say that he was QAnon adjacent or Q adjacent? When he's I don't, I don't out. think that's too far. I might even be too soft. So, so. I, I, I was just thinking about what, yeah, actually it might be. Yeah, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when we thought it was amazing that the president was not condemning QAnon. That seems like a kinder, gentler era because now the president has gone full Q himself. But, you know, okay, so let's go. Let's do Joe Biden. Um, Jim, uh, Jim Swift is our producer. He's got some of the Joe Biden uh, audio queued up. Let's Let's hear what Joe Biden had to say yesterday. 
something very clear about all of this. Rioting is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. Setting fires is not protesting. None of this is protesting. It's lawlessness, plain and simple. And those who do it should be prosecuted. Violence will not bring change. It will only bring destruction. It's wrong in every way. It divides instead of unites. Destroys businesses, only hurts the working families that serve the community. It makes things worse across the board, not better. No, it's not what uh, Dr. King or John Lewis taught, and it must end. Fires are burning, and we have a president who fans the flames rather than fighting the flames. But we must not burn. We have to build. So, Tim Miller, when is Joe Biden ever going to get around to condemning the riots? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he didn't say Antifa, uh, Charlie. So, you know, I guess he still has a higher bar to jump over. Uh, Look. I mean, you couldn't have been more clear than that. Uh, I, I wrote yesterday no. for the Bulwark about these kind of conservatives who who are just, you know, have already decided, that come to the conclusion that Joe Biden hasn't condemned uh, the looting enough and then just sort of try to backfill um, the reason for that with whatever facts are presented to them. And, 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 I, and, I, th- and I acknowledged in this, I said, look, you can nitpick any politician. Politicians are politicians. I mean, you can say you you know wish Joe Biden had said this specific sentence and and condemned you know Mayor Wheeler in Portland who has done a shitty job. Like uh, you know, we all agree. You could say that you wish Joe Biden had you know condemned uh, the looters you know while wearing bells and that he'd done it in the attic instead of the basement and he'd done it while he was while he was doing a rap like in Hamilton i you know i mean there are a million ways that you could condemn you could say that joe biden is doing this but like at, at the 30,000 foot level joe biden continues to say basically the right thing and and donald trump continues to as biden said fan the flames and be uh, absolutely insane and conspiratorial and 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 do things that that um make the tensions uh, uh raise the tensions higher and oh by the way not do anything that is actually containing or stopping or helping to stop the looting that's happening right now on his watch you know and so th- I, I, I it's hard to give joe biden anything but an a yesterday for just an, like once again he he gets the bar set so low for him uh by these insane very online conservatives who like think that they've sprung a trap for joe biden because he's like, secret antifa or they've bought their own bullshit about how he's secret antifa and then he just steps right over it once again oh Old Joey Biden wriggles his way out of that one. <laughs> I made a confession to you right before we started the podcast that yeah. that that I that I, I I was hoping to avoid praising Joe Biden. I just wanted to stick with the anti-Trump stuff. That's that's my su- the sweet spot. It's just you know <laughs> pointing out Trump and then you know Joe, Joe is like acceptable Joe. So I was wrestling. I was watching the speech yesterday and going, "Damn, this is really good." I mean, okay, the guy's going to stumble. There's going to be gaffes and everything, but that speech hit every mark and and i i I'm, I'm sort of writhing here like do i have to actually say that do i have to actually yes of course I, I i do because usually i don't know about you i i i tend to always be disappointed by politicians speeches because i'm thinking they should have said this or they should have said this or maybe if they put it put it differently i actually sat down yesterday and tried to reverse engineer in, in uh, that speech and thought what 
would I have done differently? What should he have done differently? And I got to tell you, I came up blank because I thought not only was he strong, kind of the sister soldier moment that people have been waiting for. That was that was it. I mean, you know, guys, this was it couldn't have been any clear. But also he really did flip the script saying, you know, you know, are you safer under Donald Trump? Do you think you'll be safer under Donald Trump? And I got to imagine that in Trump world, they're going, oh, man, you know, we had invested all of this in old, slow Uncle Joe. And he's now turning this script around because all, everything we have is invested in. This is Trump's base that's shouting death to America. This is Trump's base that is burning down America because he's this radical socialist. And there's Joe Biden basically going, guys, look at me. Do I look like this <laughs> radical socialist Antifa member? I mean, that was seriously. the best line. That was the best line. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a pretty good line. Okay, so Jonathan Martin in the New York Times called it the the come on man campaign. It's just like, you know, Joe Donald Trump's out there doing ridiculous thing after ridiculous thing. And then Joe Biden just steps up. It's like, come on, man. Like, what what do you want? I mean, I'm just Joe Biden over here. I I just really quick on your point on being effusive of Joe Biden, because I mentioned this in, in when I was guest newslettering for JVL a week ago, because uh, we've had this talk now, I think, two times in the last couple of weeks in private. Uh, you know, he it, it is it's almost uncomfortable as a lifelong Republican and as oh, a yeah. former Republican, how much through the convention and then in the su- ensuing week, the Biden Biden himself, really more than the Biden campaign, Biden himself has spoke to us. Right and and spoken themes that we are comfortable with from from um, you know the types of things that Republican candidates would have said from you know 1984 through 2008 right um, using a lot of the same themes and language um, uh, he he has you know kind of appealed to heartstrings and gotten me emotional a few times and it is it's kind of an uncomfortable position where I've gone from you know where I was in 2016 which was. These both can both these candidates are terrible, and like I'm gonna be for Hillary because whatever I have to be um, at the very end reluctantly. Um, to uh, you know, I, I'm like almost emotionally attached to Joe Biden yeah, at this I, point. I know well, you're not supposed to be that as a pundit, but I think that it's important to be honest about that. No, I'm I'm more comfortable not being emotionally attached to anybody except to end this particular nightmare. Sure, I was, I was chatting with one of our colleagues yesterday, and we were you know just talking about the 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 relief that we will feel when when all of this is over so i suppose there is that look i i'm i'm not suggesting that i'm not emotionally attached i mean i am you know um i think we're all at the ragged edge of being freaked out <laughs> sure. so you know what i actually did to give you an indication of how how bad it is so i'm 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 sitting down yesterday boy this is going to sound bad i and and sort of mapping out how many episodes of Ozark I have and I can watch, you know, to, to make it last as long as possible to get through the campaign because every campaign I have to have some binge watching to get me through the campaign. Back in 2008, when I realized what was going to happen, I watched all five seasons of the wire. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did that at the start of, uh, at the start of quarantine when we thought quarantine was only going to be a few weeks. I was like, I'll just knock out the wire. And then by the time it's over, I'll be back going to bars and concerts again. Yeah, Oops. but this is the problem with Ozark is is there's only 30, 30 episodes. So I'm going. Yeah, you're going to so, be through that in no time. Oh, so I I don't know where we are there. Okay, so Joe Biden I thought did well. I thought he turned it around. Um, I uh, on online you know, going back and forth, people were saying, well, "Do you think he should go to Wisconsin?" And I said, "Absolutely. I think he absolutely should go to Wisconsin. I think he should go to Kenosha. I think that he needs to show that empathy." On the other hand, I also think though maybe. 
in this in the category of underestimating Joe Biden, the holding off and letting letting Donald Trump dig the hole that he's digging himself in Kenosha, because I, I really do feel that that this narrative is is changing around. You tell me whether I'm I'm wrong about this. That last week it was like this is really bad for the Democrats. Uh, they, this is a real vulnerability. The president has really seized on uh, the, the the high ground on this issue of, of of violence. Now you have the president who is, I, you know, I mean, this is this is sort of the darkest elements of this presidency. In my newsletter, I describe it as late stage Trumpism. And you're really is seeing it, you know, all of the demagoguery, the refusal to criticize uh, right wing violence, uh, his embrace of the self-defense defense of Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17 year old man who killed two people in Kenosha. You know, his his enthusiastic support for uh, his supporters who descended on Portland, obviously, in order to have a uh, a, a confrontation. And so when he goes to uh, Kenosha, you know that he's not going to be. Uh, there's not going to be any conciliation. He's not going to meet with the family of uh, of any of of the victims. But before we even get to that, let, you 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 watched him with Laura Ingram yesterday. I, I mean, this this is this is the 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 Q adjacent president of the United States. Let's just. I was impressed actually. I was pretty impressed with the interview. I thought he was very cogent. Okay, well, demonstrated a high level of mental acuity. I'm looking forward to the clip. Let's roll it out. I don't even like to mention Biden because he's not controlling anything. Who, who do you they think is pulling him. Biden's strings? Uh, is it former Obama People officials? that you've never heard of. People that are in the dark shadows. People that... Oh, what are, does that mean? That sounds like conspiracy theory. Dark shadows. No, what is people that? that you haven't heard of. They're, they're people that are on the streets. They're people that are controlling the streets. We had somebody <laughs> get on a plane from a certain city this weekend. And in the plane, it was almost completely loaded with, with thugs wearing these dark uniforms, black uniforms with gear and this and that. They're, they're on a plane. Where's the, where's this, I'll tell you sometime, but I, I, it's under investigation right now. But they came from a certain city, and this person was coming to the Republican National Convention. And there were like seven people on the plane like this person, and then a lot of people were on the mm-hmm. plane to do big damage. They were coming from Planning for Washington. Yeah, this was all, this is all happening. But and- the- Oh, God. <laughs> just, just shoot me now. Look, this is batshit crazy stuff. This is, I'm sorry, Tim, this is the president of the United States. I mean, that's, we need to confront that reality. I have, I have two comic thoughts before I get to my serious thoughts. Number one is, I guess this, the first one is more of a macabre comedy. Uh, you know, I, one of the things I was deeply concerned about when Donald Trump ascended to the presidency was that he would be getting these intelligence briefings and that he had no self-control and he would just be like blurting out sensitive security items left and right. And I, I don't think I had an appreciation for the fact that he actually wasn't going to listen to his security briefings and was just going to get Fox and Friends briefings and was just going to like blurt out insane things like, you know, we're investing, we're investigating the, the seven, the seven men in the dark shadows that were, that were flying to DC from, and I think I know what city it's from. Um, I'm pretty sure that they were flying from Los Angeles because every time I go to a bar in Los Angeles, everybody's in black. You don't see people in a lot of colors in Los Angeles. And I think that it's possible that these people were just hipsters. But 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 are they controlling Donald Trump? I mean, these (laughs) shadowy figures. It's like it's 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 like the president of the United States is not only not reading the intelligence briefings. He's he's having 
somebody's Facebook feed injected like his veins. It's like he's he's channeling gateway pundit. There are somebody said online, you know, even Infowars is more specific than this. <laughs> even, yeah, even Alex I mean, the other thing is the people in the streets hate joe biden <laughs> can i just throw that out there like the people who are in the streets you know who are doing the bad things the men in the the actual men in the dark shadows who are traveling from oakland to you know uh, uh kenosha to portland to create trouble these are not people that have no malarkey stickers bumper stickers on their cars like this is not a joe biden outfit like there are you know, a, a a handful of of people that, as Joe Biden said yesterday, should be prosecuted. That are cre- that are creating a lot of this trouble, and then I, I think that there's just kind of random bored young people who who yeah, get prob- kind of probably. brought into it, right? Like, especially during this time. And so, you know, this whole theory is just absurd. I mean, Laura is like set, he, trying to set him up with this big shoot. softball about yeah. yeah, yeah, about how but it's not really Biden, like maybe it's Elizabeth Warren, you know, maybe it's uh uh you know, whoever Ben Rhodes who gave like, the money like, to the Iranians. I mean, that's what she's trying to get these like standard right. issue Obama, maybe it's Clapper, you know, like that's what she's looking for. And and he goes straight to like the people in the streets well, and the- or, or who else knows the the people you know these dark people in the shadows I think she probably thought he was 10 seconds away from from invoking the you know protocols of the elders of Zion I mean it was like, you, you know <laughs> where you know we go bad- and we go all you know it's bad when Laura Ingram is going okay this is getting crazy now multiple I mean, I, times I, I, she I, did I, that I, by the way it was another time where she stopped him because he was comparing you know, a cop shooting someone to missing a three foot putt. Oh, that did you, that, catch, did you catch that clip? She she also had to, she also had to stop him on that one. Yes. Okay. Just to, for people who may be listening to us from the from the distant future, this actually did happen. That the president of the United States, the night before he goes to Kenosha, compares shooting a black man in the back uh, seven times by a police officer to a frustrated golfer who chokes and misses a three inch putt. I, I I feel my I feel my brain contracting just trying to 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 grapple with all of this. All of which is to say that I don't think today's going to go well in Kenosha. I just I just have this this sort of this instinct. You don't say. And it's um you know one of my one of my friends here uh, named James James Wigderson who runs uh, Right Wisconsin uh, is a very keen observer of conservative politics is sort of waving the the flag today he has a piece up saying you know uh, Donald Trump could lose the election today in Kenosha if he does this kind of stuff uh, this this is how this is how you take an issue that looked like it was a winner for him and it's going to be very 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 ugly so we're joking and laughing about all of this and and in part because if we don't we'd we'd lose our minds. You know, what you saw yesterday was, you know, was the the president of the United States who, you know, not only is not condemning this right wing violence, um, he's he's defending it. He went out of his way at a moment where everything does seem to be escalating. Now, um, for those of you that subscribe to my newsletter, which I would urge you to do, you know, I I think that really we are seeing this late stage Trumpism that I, I know that people were freaking out last week about everything. But this really was a, a kind of a, a clarifying moment i mean it had this decadent desperate feel to it i mean you watch him and it it really destroys the pretense that we're seeing something that's even remotely normal um and by the way you know for the all the senate republicans uh you know good work and basically not holding him accountable but you you it is trumpism 
boil down to this, you know, it's, it's essence, this, this feral clean to power, even if it means abusing the levers of government, engaging in conspiracy theories, stoking a race war, inciting your followers to engage in violence. I mean, this is, we are in a dark, dark spot. And quite frankly, in the president's mind, he may think this is what he needs to do for his base. But, um, I, I, I don't I don't I don't see that most of America is looking at this and going, yeah, give me four more years of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I do feel disconnected a little bit from the political pl- ramifications of this, particularly in Wisconsin. And so I, I, I am going to kind of defer to your friend at right Wisconsin and you on this. Like, I, I just I don't know. I don't have a great enough sense about what's happening on the ground in Kenosha to know if there's really potential backlash here because i mean this has been and unconscionable what's happened to the community and and i mean i a really i think jarring break from from normal life in kind of a swing area in the state and so i think me sitting here in oakland and like pontificating on what the political ramifications are going to be i'm talking about the ramifications nationally yeah and and and, and, it doesn't i'm sitting up here in in milwaukee and it doesn't look any different to us than it looks to you so Right. And that's true. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that the bigger picture point about the president's behavior and, and, and what the ramifications of that are, I think is exactly right. And, and, I, I, and you know, the seriousness of this is really just kind of hard to, to really pinpoint when you look at all of the different levels of the way that the president has, has inflamed this. And, and made it worse. And that is what I think leads to our kind of absurdist comedy when comparing it to Joe Biden. It's just, it's ridiculous to, to act like Joe Biden is the one that is acting irresponsibly when you look at, you know, the, the preponderance of what he has done versus the preponderance of the president's actions, which have just been like irresponsible on such a level that, that I, I think this actually helps him that the media can't accurately portray just how irresponsible it's been. I mean, it's it's like three de- standard deviations from the mean to the in- irresponsible and conspiratorial side of what like the worst, second worst president could have done. And, and you know, just look at the issues, you know, back to back. You've got um, a, a Elizabeth Newman, who was in the DHS, who came out and testified yes. this week from the inside. She was she was a homeland security expert on threat prevention. She said for three and a half years they saw the rise of white nationalists and far right violence, um, uh, far right domestic terror, really, and and that the president was not interested in it. And and not only was he not interested in it, he was quote giving them permission um, through his words. Uh, uh, on multiple occasions, and and she says it was indirectly responsible for some of the attacks, particularly the one in El Paso. Uh, so, you know, there's one. We have a president that for three years, his own security experts say are, are making this worse. Just in the situation of Wisconsin, uh, you have, I, I think, as you pointed out, the president not having a clear statement on 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 the 17 year old with the long gun, you know, who who took out two people. Uh, look, here's the thing. I, I haven't seen the, you know, we've only seen one of the videos 
so, you know, everybody can nitpick on the margins or can discuss, you know, uh, from a legal standpoint, like whether this is technically self-defense or not. But there is no reason that there should be a 17-year-old Trump-supporting vigilante, like, crossing state lines, uh, uh, holding a gun that he's not allowed to have as somebody that's under 18, um, like, defending a, a carpet store, whatever it was. Like, this is absurd. Like, the, the, the president should be able to clearly call that out. And then you have the instance of Jacob Blake, just really quick, Charlie, which this just, I get madder and madder because even on the most more reasonable end of the Trump supporting defenders, you know, like forget the Tuckers, you know, who's trying to incite a race war, like even on the more reasonable end of, of Trump fans, I continue to see them defending the murder of Jacob Blake and, and the president murder. has the president. Yeah. yeah. The president has, or I was, I'm sorry. Thank you. The attempted yeah. murder of Jacob Blake and the president has, but, but you know, and the president, w- you know, that lied about trying to talk to the family. The family came out last night and it's like anybody who watches that video, I mean, no matter how bad of an actor this guy is before the video starts, like he opens the car door, his kids are in the backseat of the car door, and the cop unloads his clip within one second. I mean, they're just—he's walking the other way into the car. Like, there's just no possible way that you can look at that clip and say, you know, this is self-defense. And so, on every level of this, from the organized terror to domestic terror on the right to the 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 appropriate response uh, about the tragedies that have happened in Kenosha the president has made it worse every step on ev- on every element of this and and, and, and he's so, not done yeah yet. it's maddening and he's he, and, he, and, and he's not done yet by the way I just have to point out that in in, in Wisconsin I this is there's 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 so many depressing elements of all this or alarming elements but um the the eagerness of Republicans in Wisconsin to find a justification for the shooting of uh, of Jacob Blake is, is just extraordinary, including one guy who I'm not going to name. I'm not going to call him out because he's, he's you know, it was still somebody that I'm, I'm speaking with who I would describe as one of the better guys, not not Trumpy at all. Yeah. But is obsessed with finding a justification for what the cops did, which is like, wow, I just so the knife, you know, it's like Megan Kelly's well, no, tweeting no, 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 in all he, caps, he, the knife, was, the knife. I'm like, he's all over the knife. He's all over the knife. But let's go back to this. What point could he have just really quick though? Like, yeah. what could he have been doing with the knife that would have justified? I mean, it's not as if like, like I'm just trying to imagine a hypothetical scenario. What like he pulled the knife as he's leaning into the car and he's like throwing it back over his head to try to to yeah, try, no. you know? I mean, like it's absurd. Well, if he had a knife, like you know, and and that is the contrast. By the way, just just really quick to the, you know, uh, you know, kid walking on the street with a gun. I mean, there are people walking on the streets with a gun. That's excused because it's the right kind of violence because he's on the right side of our tribal wars. This is happening, by the way, on the other on on, you know, on the left too. But but it is just endemic on the right. Where well, like, I'm there's nothing you can do. I mean, you you used the phrase before inciting a a, a race war. Um, that there was a. I mean, there are people who I think are, in fact, rooting for this. I want to now separate this from what I'm about to say. So Kellyanne Conway had a soundbite over the weekend. Um, I should have I should have dug it up where where she basically says, you know, the more violence, the more looting, the more of all of this, you know, the better it's going to be for the president. I'm I am, by the way, that's a that's uh, that's kind of a summary there. But but clearly there are people who are, you know, have an investment in 
in, in ramping all this up, including the president. So let's go back to this kid. Yes, there's a video where he's being chased. By the way, the video where he's being chased and he falls down and, and shoots somebody takes place after he'd already shot someone. They were chasing him because he had shot someone. So there's a little bit more complicated. But the larger context is he, here's a seven-year-old kid who crosses state line and voluntarily inserts himself with a you know deadly weapon into a very volatile situation, and you know that I think is is important. But the, and the president is encouraging people to insert themselves. So the defense of the the caravan in Portland was well, they were you know was was peaceful because they were just shooting paintball guns. I don't know whether you've seen my newsletter today because I got up this morning and I took a picture of my paintball gun just for people who want to see it. <laughs> and, and so I actually have a picture. You can see it. It's on my kitchen counter. And and what I would suggest is that um, I just strongly advise um, anyone who sees that picture, don't take a gun like that into a violent situation and point that at a cop, particularly if you're black. A black person who points that at a cop will be dead. So, I mean, just keep keep this in, in, in mind. And yet the president, rather than encouraging everybody to stand down and dial it down and calm down, is, in fact, cheering it on. And that's an extraordinary moment. There is no precedent in my lifetime for anyone in a position of, of authority or respect doing that at a time when, look, people are people's lives are at risk. And um yeah. And they're also intact, you know, by the way, just on the paintball guys. I mean, this shows you how irresponsible the president's been. I just went on like a five minute rant about all the things he did. Didn't even mention the paintball thing. Didn't even mention the fact that he's randomly tweeting videos of, of, of black guys pushing white women on subway platforms from like months, months ago. ago. You can tell. Yeah, you can tell it's not nobody's wearing a mask. So you can tell it's like not from the last yeah. five black months. Guy, black right? on white crime or Okay, I'm I'm sorry since we're like throwing all of this. At one point, he's he he invokes Cory Booker's name. Yeah, Cory Booker is going to be in charge. At one point, at like nine points, he keeps mentioning Cory. Yeah, because he's such a scary guy. Why Cory Booker? I mean, this is not subtle. I was actually on a show the other day, a WNYC show with with a a Trump defender who was trying to say, "Oh, Trump's not r racially divisive." Trump. It's like, and I I basically kind of. I don't want to say I lost it because but it's by Midwestern standards. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? I mean, you know, it's having listened to these folks tell us for four years, oh, don't pay any attention to his tweets. Don't pay any attention to, you know, what, what he what he says. Basically, you're now saying because he says some words at a convention, then everything else that he's doing suddenly becomes insignificant. Are you kidding me? Just ignore your, you know, ignore what, what in fact you are, you are seeing here. And Tim, before we, you know, go too far on this one, no, we've already gone too far. I just, one of the reasons why we're, we're having this discussion right now about, you know, racial wars and, and Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all of this stuff is because the president would rather talk about this rather than what's going on with the coronavirus. I mean, this is a distraction on top of a distraction on top of a distraction. Yeah. Right. And you said it so, with the Kellyanne quote. They know it. They know this is okay. a better issue for them than the coronavirus. Yeah, because they've they've completely screwed up the coronavirus. We've talked about that ad nauseum, and so well, that's the thing with these with the with the just just really quick. That, and that, I think the evidence of that I mean is everywhere, but the specific evidence of that is with this paintball situation. I mean, uh, you know, you watch those videos. These are guys not only with a paintball gun that looks like a real gun, but they're in tactical gear. The trucks are driving around the streets like like fake running people over. Which, by the way, 
killed somebody in Charlottesville three years ago. Same, t- you know, same groups. Mm-hmm. They have these Trump flags. I mean, t- I mean, there there could not be a more direct example of instigating violence than this. Like this is not a, and the, you know, Trump then sarcastically is like, oh, it's a peaceful protest, which which is you know this double edged sword, which is giving these guys cover for for you know uh, escalating the violence while also mocking the people who are genuinely protesting peacefully and rightfully over these unconscionable deaths of of black men and and so you know and this is what happens and so like look it's not as if trump is to blame for this this murder in portland this murder in portland which was totally uh you know also just disgusting and inexcusable and despicable this idea that that uh you know far left or whatever you call anarchist protester would shoot somebody because they're they're in trump gear right i I mean horrible horrible and and by the way everybody on the left should should call that out too and like like joe biden has and 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 that is you know rittenhouse they're all in the same boat but like but but this all this wouldn't be happening if there was an effort to de-escalate if there was an effort to say hey you know no we should not have guys in right. tactical gear on the back of trucks driving through Portland, shooting paintballs at people and trying to run over hippies. Like that is yeah. not acceptable. And and it's, and and the idea that that, that is even like as advice you have to give to the president. I mean, this is like it's like the entry level step of a response in this situation. Don't well, escalate. And, and and let's go back to what Joe Biden said yesterday. Joe Biden is saying all those things. Yeah, Joe Biden yeah. is exactly saying this. So, you know, I, I, I understand that in the anti-anti-Trump world, it's like, well, both sides are bad. Well, you know, it's the Crips versus the blood. And, you know, and what about this? The contrast, and you, you wrote this yesterday. The contrast is actually pretty dramatic right now. You have one candidate who wants vengeance and another who wants not vengeance. There's one who eggs on his most radical supporters and another one who calls them out. There's one candidate who repeatedly time and again speaks and acts responsibly. Another who fires off screeds that demonstrate he is at best mentally unstable and at worst attempting to incite violence against political foes. This yeah, is and by the way, I wrote just, that before yesterday, before yes. Joe Biden did all those things that I said again, and so before Donald 10. Trump did all those things I said again, again. So, you know, I, 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 I understand, like, like, just like I said, you know, I was kind of hoping not to have to say really nice, nice things about Joe Biden. I mean, by the way, I'll get ripped for that, but. There, there are those who are really. I'm already dreading the emails I'm going to get over admitting my Hillary vote was reluctant. I was, I it was okay. I was, I was okay. It It wasn't that reluctant. I I did it. I did it, and I felt good about it in the in the last moment. But it was like pulling a tooth. It wasn't excitement like I'm going to have this time. So I'm just people are still going to send me mean emails about that. But that's just I just am being honest. You got to have candor. Well, because we get mean emails no matter what we do. That's true. I mean, this, this is this is the world that we live in. It's like there's, you know, we'll get mean emails of the fact that we were laughing about stuff before. How can you laugh about it? It's not funny. Look. It isn't he, funny, by the way. I agree. The no, president's it, it absurdity is, is funny. Yeah. Like, like his actions in these fucking murders is, is in, enraging. It, it, it I, is, I, but, but see, this is, this, is, this is our self-care, is that we have to find moments of humor so that we don't go yeah, out of maybe. our minds. I mean, there people talk about you know heads exploding. I see people's heads exploding all the time. I I I actually am. This, this is a question that maybe in, in calmer times we, you know, we should we should explore. Is were this many people always insane? 
were this many was was crazy as as omnipresent as it feels, or is there something about our ability to communicate our crazy or the environment that makes people crazy that has changed things? You know, you know what I'm getting at here. Yeah, does I mean, Twitter, does social media, just expose the fact that we were we had a lot of nuts among us, or does it create does it drive people out of their minds? Yeah, I have two answers to this, and and we could do a whole podcast on it. Yeah. I think one, at some level. This has exposed the fact that yes, there was a lot of crazy and but and a lot of, I mean, almost not, not to say overboard, but like want to be fascist like uh, f- um, uh, feelings, private feelings um, uh, among among people that sort of presented like they were <laughs> they were in the middle of the road politically in each party, um, you know, particularly on our side uh, before. And, and it was constrained, you know, everybody hates to, you know, the establishment loves to get ripped. And yeah, we made a lot of mistakes, you know, um, uh, particularly in the banking sector and in the Iraq war sector over the last 20 years. But, um, but, but, but this, the crazy was constrained by responsible people acting at the top who were respecting right. our norms and, 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 you know, politicians in Washington have a lot of flaws and like to be insulted, but you know, I, the leadership class in, as I was growing up in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands was just frankly much more responsible than now. And that was controlling a lot of crazy that, that existed. And then I think that the, the existing underlying crazy has been exacerbated both by social media um, and by, you know, being stuck inside in particular the last five months. But, but, you know, I, I think that I have this kind of pet theory that, we didn't kind of know what all of our friends actually thought about everything no, I know, I before. Know. And now you do, you know, I remember one time in Iowa, um, I was working for McCain and, um, I, I, I just kind of presumed that every, all of my coworkers were like for gay marriage, just in secret, just like McCain and Obama were, you know? And, and I forget this came up one night at a bar. And, and so I just sort of asked around the table, I was like, so who, who would like, vote for a pro-gay marriage referendum and nobody else raised their hand besides me and one other person one other woman and and i was like i was shocked by that and like it may it led me to kind of have some private like bitter feelings towards some of my colleagues which is not which was probably not fair but uh, you know that little anecdote is like now our whole lives like mm. now unfortunately i know what everybody thinks about the fact that a cop can unload a clip into a guy's back if if there's a possibility that he has a knife on him you know and and so i think that that you know exponentially is driving people crazy because they know way too much about what all their friends think about things. Well, I, I think you're right, and 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 it changes the relationship. It and it it, it, it it makes it hard to sort of just simply go about your your daily routine if, in fact, you're dealing with people who have these fundamental views. And and race is obviously the most dramatic one, sure. but I I still think though that that people are not necessarily one way or another that they can be. This is where thought leadership comes in. That. That this is why you appeal to the better angels of our nature. That that there was a time when 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 someone was about to go off half cocked or you know become extreme or say things that were were you know deeply wrong. That somebody would put their hand on their shoulder and say, "Hey, you don't want to do that. You don't want to become that person. Uh, you don't want to uh, uh, you know." The, the, here's a different way of thinking about it. And the people will go, okay, you know what? Maybe you're right. Thank you. You know, yeah. Okay. That's what, that's why we, we have correctives in our, in our lives and that's gone now. So you, 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 you have outlets for the crazy. You have encouragement for the crazy. There are incentives for crazy. And, um, can, can I give know, a specific example of that in our politics? So this, this was, this was kind of, 
like almost shocking to me in a way that really made me sit back. So I was going through the old, uh, for the McCain anniversary, um, was going through some of his old speeches. And his, in his 2008 convention speech, you know, he starts by, um, or not doesn't start, um, sort of at the end of, of kind of the first section, he, he, he wants to say a nice word to President Obama, you know, because he is the first black African-American nominee that he's running against. And, and I, I, just, I just pulled it up here. He says, despite our differences, much more unites us than divides us. We're fellow Americans, and yeah. that's an association wow. that means more to me than any other. But here's the thing, Charlie. That 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 stadium in Minneapolis um, bursts out in like a very loud applause. It wasn't just like one of those kind of polite applauses that you have to give, you know, when an applause line hits. Like people were really moved by that, and it was part of McCain's life story, you know, about how we're Americans over any other. And people are hooting and hollering to that line. And so I, I just think that's one example of your point. You have to imagine. That, that a lot of people in that room are the same people that are cheering when, you know, the president is, you know, uh, uh, is spreading his kind of racist bile right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not entirely the same. You know, obviously some people no, have left the party and there are some new people some in. But the there are, people. Yeah. yeah. And, no. and so that's to, just to your point, like this stuff does matter. Like you can have an impact. Um, you know, it's not as if words and leadership are, are, are all just, you know, this kind of hooey fooey that, that, um, only those of us in the elite political class care about. No, it does have an impact. It does have an impact. Tim Miller, thank you so much for coming on today on the first day of September when everything seems like it's getting even realer. It's been real all along, but it just seems realer. So thanks for coming on, Tim. I appreciate it very much. Anytime, Charlie. Have a good one. And thank you for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again. There are just 62 days left until the general election.